Hello everyone and welcome to the second episode of Autism with a Pinch of Salt. On today's episode we talk with Caitlin McInnes who is a classmate and friend of mine who was diagnosed with ADHD as an adult. We have a discussion about late diagnosis and the positive impacts that ADHD has on somebody's day-to-day life. I must note that normally on this podcast we use identity first language but it was discussed with Caitlin before this podcast it was recorded that we would use with ADHD. The reason for this is that there's not been an identity first label as such agreed for ADHD. Sometimes people use ADHDer when talking about ADHD. However, because there's nothing been exclusively agreed within the neurodiverse community, we agreed that for the, for the sake of the podcast, we would use diagnosed with ADHD rather than ADHDer. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I certainly did and I learned loads from listening to Caitlin. Just a quick note before we move on to the podcast. ADHD is classified as a neurodevelopmental condition which is characterised by inattention, hyperactivity and impulsivity that begins in childhood and persists into adulthood. Thanks very much, Caitlin, for coming on today. My pleasure. So you were diagnosed with ADHD as an adult, is that right? Yes, I was. I was 27 years old. I I am 28 now, I think. Yes, I'm 28 now. (laughs) It gets to a point where you have to count. Um, But yeah, I was 27 when I was diagnosed. That's right. What was your journey to get your diagnosis? Well, (laughs) the short version is that I went to my GP um, and they referred me to an NHS psychiatrist and they diagnosed me with ADHD and put me on the medication I'm on now. The longer version is that I've had it in my head since I was about 19. I think that was when I, I, that was the first time I googled some version of, um, well, why can't I do things? And I landed on the idea that I might have ADHD. Uh, But at that point in time, you didn't, like adult diagnosis wasn't really a thing. And I also, like I had a endocrine condition that I was on a, a dopamine agonist for. So there was a, it was a bit unclear really what was going on, I suppose, you know, at the start of all that. So would that medication have a negative impact or a positive impact for ADHD? Well, strictly speaking, I don't think there's any evidence to... I've looked into this before because I wondered if there was maybe a connection. It makes sense to me that there probably is because obviously there's a theory about um, the relationship with uh, dopamine and ADHD brains. I feel anecdotally that uh, I did better on that medication, but it's not a medication that's used for ADHD. It's used for uh, prolapsinoma, which was the condition I had at the time. Ah, okay. So you got your diagnosis as, as an adult. And now when you look back to your childhood, was there an impact throughout your childhood, would you say, being undiagnosed? Yes. <laughs> yeah, very much. Um, I would say I was definitely one of... Uh, the weird kids uh, I'm using inverted commas there around weird by the way just for those that can't see me um yeah. for a start I was really anxious I was like I especially I was really sensitive to the news so and this was around the era of you know mad cow disease and 9-11 and you know definitely give me a lot to think about 
I had a really hard time getting on with other kids. I had sort of slightly odd interests. I liked um, mushrooms and things and trees um, and hamsters and other kids didn't want to talk to me about those things. Um, I had a bit, I was a little bit bossy, I suppose. I was a bit dominating uh, when we were playing. I wanted to sort of play, think, play my way. And sometimes I would say things that kids, the other kids thought were weird. So yeah, I just, I don't know, a lot of sort of things that were socially a little bit off when I was a child. I was really, when I got into something, I would get really, really into it. Like I read a lot and I would walk around with a book like in my hands, walk into things because I was reading and, you know, or gaming. Like I, when I started playing computer games when I was younger, I would, um, you know, exit in the middle of dinner to go continue to play them, which, you know, much to my parents' dismay. And I think, I don't know, at some point I realised that I was not the same as other kids and I really, I leaned into that a lot um, and had the most obnoxious, like edgy preteen to teenage uh, phase that, you, you know, you can imagine. It's one of those things that you get sort of cold sweats from thinking about it, <laughs> from retrospective embarrassment. <laughs> but uh yeah so that so there was all that sort of stuff I was really really chaotic as well like just chronically bad doing homework anything any sort of home study type thing I it just did not go well even though I was was quite bright in class like I I did quite well at school academically I had an advanced reading age I was interested in loads of things I like took part in school it was just homework nope I ended up with all sorts of stuff mixed in with it and yeah it was just it was bad and you know I would like fall asleep in class and stuff I remember there was a couple of times where teachers actually pulled me aside and were like are you okay sorry that's my, my daughter shouting in the background teachers would pull me aside and be like is everything all right and everything was fine like I had a, you know, my, home, my home life and stuff was totally totally fine it was just oh I found, I found it hard to be present all the time do you think um, were you falling asleep because you were bored in class like it wasn't keeping you engaged or was it maybe not being able to sleep the night before or um probably a combo am I I've always had a bit of an odd relationship with sleep even when I was a kid I would like push off my bedtime and it wouldn't necessarily I don't know. see when I say I procrastinate going to bed like it's that, that's kind of, that's what it is I think it's quite hard to understand what that what that what it's like if you know yet you haven't experienced that because whenever I've tried to explain that to people before they're like why do you not want to go to bed why wouldn't you want to go to sleep and I'm like well it's, it's not really I don't know I can't really help it yeah. <laughs> it's just that I didn't feel I had others you know it's not that I would be deliberately pushing it off it's just that I would have more interesting things to do or I couldn't switch to right now it's time to go to sleep yeah you know? yeah okay do you think having a diagnosis as a child would do you think that would have made a difference in things do you think that would a had a more sort of positive impact would you say um I think I think yeah I think that in general I would say it's a good thing um if you have a child with ADHD to I think a diagnosis is just another tool in your sort of arsenal to help them figure out how to how to do life uh, with their brain to me it probably would have been beneficial because it maybe would have meant that I had the resources and stuff at school that would have helped me more or yeah I'm do you know though I'm not I'm quite lucky in that my parents like my parents have always been quite accepting of not ever tried to push me into any particular sort of behavior or, or mold or anything like that they were always quite accepting of my weirdness so I never felt pressure at home to change if that yeah. makes sense um and I think that that's been a real I think that I wouldn't be 
the well-adjusted adult I am today. <laughs> I see that only slightly ironically if I hadn't had such uh, cool parents. Yeah, no, that's really nice. Would you say for people with ADHD as well, we talk about masking and autism. Would you say masking and ADHD is a thing as well? Uh, yeah, well, I think that that's, I think that that's a really interesting question and the answer would probably be yes I think masking if you if you're considering masking as a way of sort of so I suppose considering masking as a sort of a way of I guess pretending to be neurotypical in order to make your um, participation and you know life a bit easier then yes probably the way that you mask is different um, between ADHD and autism. Things that might be examples of masking for someone with ADHD, I guess maybe, but one that I, that I could think of, I guess, would be maybe making yourself, you know, stopping yourself from talking in a conversation where you, if you're someone that has trouble with, you know, turn-taking or something like that. I, I know that I am inclined not to say anything around new people a lot of the time because I can't trust myself to, you know, manage the conversation <laughs> with someone that I don't know so well. I think maybe things like overcompensating with time management strategies. I am half an hour late to everything. I half an hour early, sorry, to yeah. everything that, you know, I have to do outside the house and it's because if I'm not, then I'll be late. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, I suppose, yeah, things like that. There are things that, that it's just, if you're thinking of it as a sort of way of compensating for um, things that you're having difficulty with, then yeah, I would say. Yeah. So see, you're just talking a bit about time management there, and it just made me think about a couple of things that I've read about time blindness. Uh-huh. Um, and ADHD, is that something that you've experienced before? Yes. Yeah, I do struggle with knowing how much time has passed, especially if I'm really invested in something. That whole sort of saying about how time flies when you're having fun, yeah, extra true. <laughs> or, or, or time flies when you're hyper-focused and, you, you know, I can sort of start getting into something and then suddenly five hours have passed and I'm like, God, I've missed dinner. Yep. <laughs> like, I forgot to eat anything today because I was so busy, like, I don't know, um, you know, shopping for a couch. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I would definitely. It's definitely something that I've sort of had to deal with. Yeah, your day to day life as an adult. Now, what are the positives you would say? Obviously, you've always been neurodiverse, so you don't have a comparison, like to say, compared to a neurotypical person. But from what you've saw a neurotypical, saw of a neurotypical, what would you say your positives of with the fact that you have ADHD compared to somebody with that's neurotypical? I would say, well, for a start, when I'm focused on something, I I, I can be an absolute like machine at getting stuff done. I will get work done that I didn't think was that I didn't think was possible in in you know a short space of time because I, I do well under pressure I guess I, I suppose that's maybe a separate point as well like I do well I sort of thrive on adrenaline and I'm good in an emergency as, a, as long as I'm not the subject of the emergency I will be <laughs> a good set of hands <laughs> because um yeah like I don't I flap the same way as other people can sometimes I I'm a bit of a jack of all trades because I end up getting all sorts of different hobbies because I'm, you know, hunting for dopamine all the time. So I have lots of sort of weird random skills that maybe are a bit rare, but they make good talking points. Like I can spin wool. 
or I can like I don't know forage? build a terrarium I can forage yeah oh <laughs> don't get me started on foraging <laughs> 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 no, that's a whole other podcast Hayley <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I have all these sort of like random little just pockets of knowledge that that I I enjoy um, having, and yep. yeah, I suppose on impulsivity, which can be a lot. I think for a lot of people, myself included, probably, um, can be one of the more destructive aspects of having ADHD. Um, the tendency to do impulsive things. Um, I one sort of positive spin in that that I have found for myself is that when I have made impulsive choices and then I've had to figure it out I've had to live with that that quite often be quite those can be quite formative experiences and you end up being quite resilient and quite good at solving problems and you know not scared of taking risks because you know you've figured out how to get through them if that makes sense yeah that makes sense and we all sort of know that there there's a bit of a I mean, with most neurodiverse conditions, there's a bit of a stigma. Um, and I think ADHD is one that has a pretty big stigma still. Um, I think it's not as bad as what it was maybe 10 years ago, 15 years ago. But I think there is still a bit of a of a stigma just now. And what do you think that we could do to reduce that stigma? I think for a start, it would be really good if everyone was on the same page about what ADHD actually is because I have found that you know if I've disclosed that to someone that I have ADHD I get such mixed reactions and very rarely does the person actually understand what it is that I'm saying to them so some some people either think that I'm, I'm making it up or that it's you know a childhood illness um, or some people actually think it's like I'll say ADHD and they think I'm talking about you know autism which is a different thing altogether of course so yeah I think a lot of education about what it is would be a good start and I think things like if you think about the areas of difficulty for people with ADHD is things like being late for for work when I'm talking about sort of functioning in a society your people find it really difficult you know keeping a job because they'll be late to work or maybe managing their emotional impulsivity or focusing in on you know tasks to get through the work day if we were a little bit more aware of the reasons why people might find those things difficult if we had a little bit more tolerance um for different way people are able the different ways people are able to get things done i think that that might reduce some of the stigma because i think there is still a big school of thought that a bit around executive dysfunction where you know you might find it difficult to do things that other people find quite easy that you're lazy or that that you know it reflects badly on you and making people aware that that's a thing in the first place would probably go a long way to to solving the stigma around adhd yeah definitely I just want to touch back a wee bit when we're talking about managing emotions. Um, just you, you mentioned something there, and I think that's something as well that's really not recognised from people who aren't and maybe don't have ADHD themselves or aren't involved with anybody that, that has ADHD. They probably aren't aware of that that is also something that kind of comes along with, with the package and it sort of linked in, it links in a little bit with executive functioning as well managing emotions could you I don't mean give an example from like of yourself but just an example in general of what that could be like 
Is it always negative emotions? Is it can that be including positive emotions as well? Uh, well, yeah, probably. And if you're thinking about positive emotions, it probably could present as like, see, if you're really excited about something and you cannot contain it, <laughs> um, and maybe I, I, I don't know. I, I, it's I would hope that I wouldn't be in a situation where people would be mad at me for being excited about things, but there probably are situations where it can be helpful to. Rain that in a bit maybe does become a bit more problematic when it's uh when you're talking about negative emotions, especially things like anger. Anger management can be really difficult for some people with ADHD, and you know that's not to absolve any, not to absolve any sort of actions that are bad that you might take when you're angry, because obviously you need to learn to to manage that yourself. But it can be very hard to. I mean, I know that I've said loads of stuff that I really didn't mean when I've been angry um, and stuff that I still regret. And I'm not saying that, I'm, I'm, I hesitate to say that because it sounds like I'm bl- blaming the ADHD when it's not. It's like, it's, you have to be personally accountable for these things too. But it's just to sort of, to be aware that that can be an issue for you because it's not one of the things that's really spoken about so much with adults, I think. I suppose that comes down to maybe a bit of impulsivity as well. If, you know, if you're saying something that you, you don't mean, it's just, it just comes out. Yeah, yeah, you, know. you can quite often, I don't know, when I was young, it was worse when I was younger, I, I don't have this issue so badly now. But yeah, like you, if, you know, you're angry, you think it's just the worst possible thing that you could say to, to hurt someone's feelings, pretty much. Yeah, but there's all sorts of ways that that could manifest, I suppose. Jealousy, like um, in a, a sort of adult, an adult relationship, being angry with your kids as well. Like if you're a parent with ADHD, that's another trigger that, you know, I know that I have to, le- to live with. I would never, I, I've, I've had to learn to be, to, to redirect my anger a lot because, you know, when you're, when you're a parent, it happens, you get frustrated. Yeah. And I don't know, it's really important for me, at least that my kids don't learn to, that they learn better ways of, of, of dealing with their big emotions. I've read a lot about rejection, sensitive dysphoria, people who have ADHD also experiencing that can you explain what that is uh, yes it is where um, a person has an exaggerated reaction to like to perceived rejection so it all, doesn't always have to be actual re- rejection you can just you just have to think that someone <laughs> has rejected you and and it can kick in yeah yeah um and what kind of emotions come with that hard to describe it's just very overwhelming bad I, I I find it quite hard to pick apart my emotions sometimes okay. anyway so but it's just yeah I, I suppose anxiety for me it can be quite physical I'll feel I'll feel sick and I'll feel like a bit I can get a bit wobbly and things like that or I'll, you know I'll need I feel the need to cry and yeah and that kind of thing and could that just be triggered by maybe so I'm thinking about maybe like text messages and email where you can't pick up the tone and what somebody's saying um, especially if they're not using like emojis and, and things like that mm-hmm. to, to sort of portray their tone would that be maybe a, a situation that could that could trigger those feelings very much yeah uh, yeah sometimes I'll just I will clock that the, there's something different about the tone of a message and that will be enough to make me feel oh what did it what happened I better apologize because I don't know what I did <laughs> you know yeah it, it can be I mean it's it's a funny one because it's not, um, strictly speaking, on the, the diagnostic criteria, but I have seen enough sort of anecdotal stuff from other 
ADHD adults that makes me think that it is a sort of a pattern. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. So also within the neurodiverse community, I've been reading about, about girls and ADHD and how girls actually may similarly to autism present differently to ADHD boys. Is what in what way do you think that girls present differently? So my understanding is that girls can quite often have a more inattentive profile of ADHD because there are there are the subtypes of, of ADHD, one being inattentive, one being hyperactive, and then there's combined, which is a bit of a mix of both. Inattentive is what we used to call ADD, which is just attention deficit disorder. And it is more about being disorganized, unfocused, you know, finding it hard to get things done to a time scale. And whereas boys are seen to have more of the hyperactive aspects of you know the condition. Having said that, I say that there's a big caveat because I think people perceive the behavior of boys and girls quite differently sometimes and especially when we're talking about adults I suspect that some of the behaviours of adult women with ADHD could be misinterpreted sorry I'm getting into slightly controversial territory (laughs) that's okay that's okay (laughs) yeah I I don't know I I, this is completely my hunch but I suspect that there are a, a lot of women out there whose um, symptoms of you know maybe the emotional aspects of ADHD are given more attention than the inattention yes you know the other sides of it yeah and you think do you think that that could then lead to misdiagnosis then I think yeah or or under a diagnosis I think that yeah I would say so because we we do have this sort of prevailing issue of women's mental health being treated quite differently from men's and you know neither gender benefits from that actually but for I I feel that there's an inclination sometimes to write women off as being emotional whereas that's chronically like under recognizing men and that's a real issue but if a man has ADHD they're maybe slightly more likely to be taken you know seriously when they're saying that they can't focus or they can't do things aside from the fact that in childhood it's just more diagnosed in boys as well so there's that sort of it's a self-fulfilling it's a cycle basically because they they diagnose more boys and um therefore they're like oh well only boys have that so they continue to diagnose more boys almost like they're looking out for it more in boys whereas in girls it might not cross their mind that that could be potentially what's what's going on and and probably in adulthood that increases as well because there's maybe this sort of incorrect idea that as they get older it disappears so it probably exactly yeah Yeah. so they're probably even less looking for it as as somebody gets gets older but the other really um important thing about women with ADHD right to me is hormones because as women I don't know about other women but I know that a lot of my own experiences when I go to a doctor or something it gets chalked up to hormones and that's really frustrating (laughs) but hormones are really really strongly linked with ADHD symptoms um estrogen has yeah yes right (laughs) it's so frustrating because they don't everything's normed in boys because hormones interfere basically with the results is my understanding of it I don't know someone with better knowledge on that could 
you know, I'm open to having my mind changed there. But they, yeah, hormones, uh, the relationship between a woman's menstrual cycle and ADHD isn't very well understood. Your medicine doesn't work so well when you have your period, basically. Wow. And that there are, there have been studies to sort of support that. Estrogen, which sort of peaks around the middle of your cycle, as I understand it, um, has a sort of a positive relationship with dopamine so around that time you're going to be at your most functional in theory if we're assuming dopamine is the problem and then at the end of your cycle when you're having your period it's you know your dopamine's tanked and your symptoms are much worse um yeah yeah and there's evidence to but yes yeah, it's, it's just really important I wish that's something that someone had told me before was how strongly hormones were related to the condition and you know how you can manage that we don't really have a good answer for it it's really frustrating like 50% of the population guys get it together (laughs) do you think maybe in the future um, or would you like to see that's probably a better way to word it would you like to see in the future studies done that would maybe look at and if people are on medication increasing their dose maybe by a couple of milligrams or whatever throughout the month to to compensate or would there would there be another sort of suggestion that you would that would be ideal in your eyes? Well, uh, I see. I'm I'm not sure what the solution is. I would like them to look into it for sure. I know that some women do get prescribed a slightly higher dose uh, around the time of their period. I have, yeah. I've, I'm I'm not I'm not sure what would help. Um, I don't know if. Uh, well, I, I know that one thing that has helped me was that I found that there was a study um, and it was separate of ADHD, uh, but also annoying that it's not more like widely known. There was a study that suggested that supplementing with calcium would reduce PMS symptoms. And that certainly has been the case for me when I have started taking calcium supplements for that yep. purpose it, and that was a that was a peer-reviewed uh, random control trial that found a positive impact of um a positive effect on pms symptoms when supplementing with calcium that's interesting uh, yeah yeah it's, it, i mean it certainly it's helped me and really frustrating that you know how much digging i had to do to find that <laughs> yeah because yeah. again, fifty percent of the population, like it's not like it's only a couple of people dealing with this. It's you know, a lot of us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what advice would you give to somebody seeking a diagnosis in adulthood? If you went through that um process yourself, if you got <laughs> any information or advice that you would give to others? Yeah, absolutely. Um Oh, see, the thing about adult diagnosis is it's, it's really hard. It's a rubbish catch twenty two situation because you need to have, you need to kind of have it together to go and, and get yourself to do that too. Because you've got to make appointments, you've got to think about what you're going to say. You have to get there on time. You have to communicate your message to the doctor. You, then you know, assuming all goes well, and you manage to you know get to your psychiatrist and get a prescription. You're having to deal with like it's just it's it's not the whole process isn't ADHD friendly so if you've not managed to do it give yourself a bit of a break for a start I know I had to be in a good place in general before I was able to do that in terms of what actually helped when I went to get my diagnosis 
I went, I started with my GP. I had had a couple of failed attempts where I'd gone in and just tried to like lead them to think that I had ADHD. I went in and I was like, I'm finding it really hard to concentrate. I, you know, I'm really unfocused. I've had these problems since I was a kid without actually saying that I think I've got ADHD because I was worried I sounded like, a, you know, a Google doctor. And it never worked. The others just said, oh, you sounds like you're anxious. Do you want some medicine? Do you want to give it some time? And then we'll like reevaluate or don't know. Yeah, basically it was never a good outcome until I went to my doctor and I went, I think I've got ADHD and this is why. Please give me a referral to a psychiatrist. And she said, okay. <laughs> and it was, you know, I, I know I was, I was lucky because I know that some people get a bit more resistance um, from their GP, but I think, I think what helped me was that I had looked at the DSM-5 criteria. I'd really researched it. I'd looked at the DSM-5 and seen what the criteria was. And then I tried to think if I could think of examples of all of the different criteria on the DSM-5. And I took those with me. I made notes and took them to the doctors with me so that I wouldn't forget what I was trying to say, like in the middle of saying it. So yeah, so I think, so I think that that would be the advice I would give is, is think of, take examples with you, like think of examples of times yeah. when this has affected you and across different contexts as well. Maybe being a bit straight up as well when you're going, yeah, this is what I think. Yeah. Um, and that way, and that way the doctor knows exactly where you're, you know, where you're heading as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. You, you need to be direct about it. Otherwise, they're, I don't know, in my experience, they never picked up on what I was trying to say. So yeah. just say it, say I think I've got ADHD and this is why and they'll evaluate you you won't get that diagnosis if you don't so you know be, be assertive and just ask for what you need yeah all right well that was so helpful thank you so much yeah I really I really appreciate that thanks very much for coming on that was brilliant no you're so welcome